0: The following is a message by Dr. Howell Jones from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. We bow in thy presence, eternal and ever blessed God, lifting up our minds and hearts to thee through the merit of thy Son, our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the ministry and aid of thine own Spirit. We draw near to thee as our God and our Heavenly Father, on the authority of thy Son's word, who came and lived and died and rose again for us. And we thank thee that thou hast borne witness in our hearts that we are thy children and thine heirs through his merit. Be pleased then to bless to us thy word and draw us closer to thy Son in mind and heart and spirit. Enable us to see ever more clearly what it was that he did himself in offering up his own self to thee in place of each and every one of his sinful people. And grant us joy and peace in believing, knowing this morning that we have been once and for all and forever delivered from the wrath to come and have been brought into newness of life, a pilgrimage that is free from bondage to sin and which leads on into thy very presence in heaven above pardon our sins, and bless to us thy word by thine own spirit, its ultimate author, for his sake. Amen. Be seated, please. Turn with me to the Gospel according to St. John, in the 19th chapter. John chapter 19, reading to the end of the chapter from verse 31. John 19, verse 31. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again another scripture says, They will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews." Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. May God bless to us his word. Well, we are considering the signs that followed upon the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, and have looked briefly at three of them, the three that Matthew records for us, uh, the rent veil, the rocked earth, and raised saints, which we have understood as uh, a prelude and a guarantee of a new religion, a new universe, and a new humanity those three were secured and inaugurated by his death. It's important to realize that and to remember it. It was by his cross that those things were accomplished, not the empty tomb, nor the outpoured spirit. And if you use that basic principle Uh, you have a way of evaluating much that is focused on and given considerable attention and importance in contemporary Christianity. The tendency is to minimize or marginalize the cross. We must not do it. The Apostle Paul said, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ by which the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. That isn't to minimize the resurrection or the outpouring of the Spirit. It is just to realize and recognize that had he not died atoningly, none of this would have happened, could have happened. The Apostle Paul was not improvising And creating a new version of Christianity by focusing on the cross of Jesus, he was presenting what is, was, authentic about it. Now there are three more signs that followed his death. And they are recorded, as we've read this morning, by the Apostle John. The first two of these only by him, the third which is the burial by all the evangelists. And these three, the fact that his legs were not broken, yet his side was pierced, and he was buried, these all three refer more particularly to Jesus personally, and even to Jesus physically, rather than focus attention mainly on his atoning work. They all happened on the first Good Friday between three in the afternoon and six in the evening. It was the day of the preparation, the day before a most important Sabbath. There was some hiss, there was time pressure, and all these things ensued fairly soon after the Lord Jesus had died. And with regard to these three events, these three signs, there was nothing miraculous about them. Something miraculous about the earlier ones The rent veil, certainly the raised saints, but nothing miraculous in the strict sense of that term, of course. Nothing miraculous about these. They were just, and again I use that word advisedly, they were just providential. And yet, how wonderful they are. Providence is wonderful, isn't it? Providence is mysterious in its timing, in those that are used and employed in bringing events and circumstances to pass. So wonderful, so varied, so unexpected that we can almost feel we have to use the word miraculous in a looser sense in order to do justice to what transpired. But these events were just stupendous. And yet, all of them unexpected and all of them predicted. Unexpected, but predicted. There was someone who knew what was going to happen. And it was only after all that happened that people understood. In the light of the scriptures, why this had happened, and that hadn't happened, and the other thing had happened. Now, we are going to begin to consider the first two, namely the fact that his legs were not broken, and we we'll leave uh, the, uh, the second, the result of his side being pierced, to two weeks time, and then finish. With the resurrection. We have then these two events. His legs were not broken. But his side was pierced. Can we call them events? One of them was a non-event. One of them didn't happen. And that's true, you know, about God's providence as well. He can prevent what seems to be inevitable. When those soldiers came to that central cross, there was one thought in their minds. And it wasn't translated into action. But then the other, his side was pierced. That was impulsive. It was, it was gratuitous. It was unnecessary. And there are lots of events in life that are as superfluous and random and seemingly senseless and cruel and barbaric as that event. And yet all of them encompassed and included within the great all-embracing plan and purpose of a sovereign God and each and every one of them, even those events that take place and don't take place, In the life of each and every one of his people, each and every one of them will in some way, some more than others for sure, but each and every one of them will in some way or other redound to the glory of God and the praise of the Lord Jesus Christ throughout all eternity. His legs were not broken. You're familiar with the historical data connected with this matter. I don't know whether here was the original coup de grace, uh, but that is a term that could be used for the shortening of the agony of someone who is crucified by the kindness of those in authority over the execution. But this was no coup de grace. This was the result of malice and it was the result of scruple on the part of the Jews. Something had to happen. Their religious traditions had to be kept. He couldn't remain on the cross. Let's get rid of him. How can we get rid of him? Fracture his legs, shatter his legs, which was a contemporary practice. And so the Jewish leaders went to Pilate And asked him to issue the order. We're not told the order was issued. It was. The soldiers came. A little detachment. Perhaps six of them. Who knows. But they split up it seems. And began at the flanks. And each of the thieves crucified with him. The one that had trusted him. The one that had refused to trust him. Each of them. Had his legs shattered. And that of course hastened. Death. Death prevented upward movement of the body. Ability to inhale and suffocation ensued. But they come to the middle cross and they see that Jesus is already dead. So soon, that was surprising. When Nicodemus, uh, when Joseph of Arimathea uh, and and Nicodemus associated with him, went to Pilate, Pilate, smelt a rat, He suspected that there was something afoot that he ought to prevent, made inquiry; It was all true. Jesus had died. And so that is why the soldiers desisted from their intended action. There was no point in doing it. They were only sent to do that barbaric deed in order to hasten death, and death had already ensued and taken place. And so they turn and leave that central figure, that central corpse, already dead, with his lower limbs intact. And that was why his legs went broken, wasn't it? Yes. On one level of reality. We don't play off Do we? Revelation and redemptive accomplishment against the historical data of time and space and say that they cannot combine. They do combine. Because the creator is the provider and the creator and the provider is the redeemer. On one level his legs were not broken simply because there was no need he was already dead. But on another level, his lower limbs had to remain intact because he was the chosen of God. And it had been said of him in the Old Testament, not one of his bones will be broken. And that is what John recalls and records here later in this little section of this gospel. He writes, For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. He uses the singular scripture and there are two possible scriptures. Two sets, let's say. On the one hand there's that statement in Exodus paralleled in numbers about the Passover lamb. Not a bone of that lamb was to be broken. The whole was to be offered up as a burnt offering. And eaten, partaken of. In faith. But then on the other hand there's a reference in the Psalms, isn't there? Psalm 32, Psalm 34 verse 20. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Which is it? The psalm is referring to King David, the Passover lamb, pointing specifically and exclusively to the Lord Jesus Christ. And here, if you look at the commentaries, you'll find the discussion beginning to run. Which is it? Is it either? Does it have to be one and not the other, or can it be both and so on? I don't have time to enter into that but let me say this that if Psalm 34 and verse 20 is in John's mind he keepeth all his bones not one of them is broken then it refers to the way in which God protects his anointed one David fleeing from Saul in Philistia his enemies are there He feigns madness and God protects him against his former foes in a wonderfully mysterious way. And that is surely, whether the text is in John's mind or not, that is surely what the Lord Jesus Christ, what the Father is doing here. He is showing his regard for that corpse. You know, he'll show his regard for your corpse corpse and mine through the merit of the Lord Jesus Christ. He shows his regard for the dead body of his son and prevents further indignity being heaped upon him. But David was preserved alive so that his foes could not kill him. Here, great David's greater son has died. His foes have killed him on one level of course and that's why I think the Passover connection is better because death has supervened and taken place a death that delivers God's sinful people from God's holy wrath and a death that releases them from bondage to sin into a life of holy pilgrimage to the land that he has prepared for them whom he loves and who love him. As you think this morning with me of the fact that his legs were not broken, remember John's words. These things are written, not merely that the scripture might be fulfilled, that is, that you and I can look back Book in hand, as it were. Historical event before us. And see that they match. And see that God is true. And see that he knows the future. And can predict and plan it and accomplish it with such ease. We are to do that. But we are not merely to do that. We are also to look at the one who died. And see there. God's lamb for you and for me and believe let us pray we give thee our thanks O Lord our God for thine amazing wonders miraculous and providential truly there is nothing that can withstand thy hand or might and say to thee what are you doing Not one of thy purposes will fail to be brought to fruition. Not one promise fall to the ground unkept. And we therefore trust in thee and trust our souls and our bodies to thee through thy Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom thou didst keep living. Undead, by thy mighty power and love. Cure us for his sake. Amen. Copyright 2008, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way, and you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this broadcast on our website is preferred.